Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Pressure podcast. I am your host, Jake Barker. Thank you for tuning in again. Now, I've got a going to put out a bit of a challenge to you all. I've, uh, I'd love to keep building the podcast. As you all know, we're pretty new here. So if, if, you've, uh, if you're listening to the first, for the first time, I encourage you to share it around to your friends and, and family and um, we can uh, start building this, this great thing that is the Under Pressure podcast. Now, on to today's show, our guest, he played 273 games for the Brisbane Bears and the Brisbane Lions from 1992 to 2004. Kicked 170 goals in that time. He's a three-time premiership player and he was a part of the three-peat for the Brisbane Lions in 01, 02 and 03 and won the Norm Smith medal in the 2001 grand final against the Bombers. Sean Hart, welcome to the Under Pressure podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be on the Under Pressure podcast, Jake, and uh, it's good to be joining you and uh, we can get to knock off Geelong in any of those grand finals, but... um... But I've certainly heard a few uh, enemies in the Collingwood and Essendon camp, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I can definitely imagine so. Definitely imagine so. Lots of enemies there. No doubt about it. Now, um, before, before we sort of get started, what are you, what are you doing yourself? What, what are you doing with yourself these days? Well, my main focus at the moment is to uh, introduce a model called 3D coaching into Australia. And yeah. uh, 3D coaching is all about, again, holistic coaching, but making sure that... Uh, we put people before performance and results, uh, sorry, relationships, I should say, before results. And uh, you know, a lot of the world builds their identity uh, on performance. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and that and their value on performance, we, we believe that's a really dangerous precipice to build, build upon. And we need uh, to help people build a strong identity, uh, strong purpose, well beyond sporting fields to uh, make sure that they're well-rounded and they, uh, they don't rise and fall on performance on the weekend. Oh, wonderful. That sounds, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And I hope it continues to go really well, especially in, in these tough times as well. I, there might be a bit of stuff to do there as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. No worries. Now, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get straight into it. As, as we know, injuries are, are a massive part of sport. And I know you had a long, long tenured AFL career. Um, even before your AFL career, did you, um, did you have any se- severe injuries before you even started playing the AFL? Or was it mainly during your career? Yeah, it was mainly during my career, without a doubt, that I had the injury. So I was very blessed in my junior days. I can't really remember anything except for an ongoing battle with a significant lower back issue and um, poor core strength and just really battled uh, with my back through junior playing days. Remember, even as an under-14-year player, having an episode where my back was so bad, I uh, couldn't even lie down on the ground without being extreme pain and having to go to the hospital and and it was diagnosed as something called Sherman's disease, which is a, you know, a bit of a fragile lower back, sort of brittle, brittle bony sort of thing. I don't quite know if I've described it very well at all, but <laughs> the reality was the reality was that was the one thing that really um, limited my uh, athletic capabilities as a young guy. And uh, I was very fortunate not to have soft tissue or other major injuries as a junior player. Oh, that's, I mean, that, that's really good. I mean, it's always nice to, to have those times where you can, you can have a long, long stretch, long stretch of time where you don't don't get injured and some, have some. Um, I don't know. I can't think of the word right now, but um, some some longevity gets play as many games as you can possibly, and and not mm. sort of get interrupted in those times, which is always nice. Yes. Um, so moving into the into the AFL career, you started off uh, for the Brisbane Bears, and did you sort of. Uh, when when you went there, I'm sure the guys around you would have had some injuries. Did you 
pick up anything that you may when you had your first injury that um, that these guys did for during their rehab? I think you learn a lot uh, by who you hang around and their experiences and, and what the wisdom they gain through their, the battles. I was very fortunate still. I think probably the early injuries I had uh, were things like a significant broken nose and real fracture across my face from an injury at Carrara in the early days. Uh, but the, one of the main ones as well in about 1992 was what was called the Lestrank injury, which is a dislocation of the toe bone. Uh, and that was a really weird incident that happened at, at Princess Park down where you know, Carlton, Carlton's yeah. home is, of course, uh, down there. Used to be called Princess Park, of course. And uh, <laughs> someone, just, someone just sat on my foot, rolled and sat on my foot, literally, and, uh, and ended up dislocating my toe bone, uh, missed the last 12 games of the year. Uh, but reflecting on the learning from that, I suppose, um, I, I was a very disciplined type of guy, you know, so it wasn't an issue for me to have to go into a situation where I was in rehab that's certainly frustrating. Uh, but the reality for me was that I, I wasn't one to shy away from doing everything I could to, to get myself right. Having said that, with a 12-week end, uh, end of season injury where I you know, knew basically the mid, midpoint of the year that I wouldn't play again, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's, a funny, it's a funny spot because mentally you're sort of going, well, I've got all this time off and then I've got a pre, you know, an off-season. And, uh, and so yeah, you can probably wander a little bit and, uh, and you know, take some shortcuts or... You know, certainly eat some wrong foods, that sort of thing. Um, I, I, and I probably did for a little bit thinking that I had a bit of freedom and not uh, have to worry about getting back to play for a long, long time and, and getting back to pre-season even. So it was an interesting time. That was a, uh, an injury that uh, didn't happen to cause me any difficulties going forward, but certainly challenged me mentally about recovering and getting, getting a foot right again. This is a pretty touchy little spot, getting my foot right again to be able to yeah. feel like I could run and actually not have that breakdown again. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you touched on um, the re the rehab there for that particular injury, and like obviously the incident was so innocuous, like very something very small that, that happened there. Um, as you sort of went through your career over time, did did you feel like um, how did you were you better as a rehabber uh, early on, or did you sort of as you might have mentioned before, you, you sort of grew into that, and did you have any? Uh, Obviously, you mentioned, did you learn from anyone specifically when, when you were doing, doing your rehab in that time? Yeah, I think as a combination, I think I generally uh, was obedient to instruction from people who you know, were in roles that I trusted, um, had the understanding and awareness any direction I got. I wasn't necessarily going to be someone who said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, and then didn't go and do it. Uh, not, not to say I was perfect or anything, but certainly in the bears at the early stages, uh, there was a lot of older guys who, you know, the Roger Merritt's, those sort of guys who it's a different day of football where they were pretty lax on a number of things, but they certainly understood how to how to look after uh, injuries, I suppose, in terms of icing those sort of things from early times. No, I think today's uh, athletes are far more disciplined, to be honest, but, but yeah. back in those days, there were still some good leaders around to help us understand how to, how to follow protocols to get yourself right, to get back for the team as soon as you could. Um, but the, um, yeah, the... Uh, they were certainly um, the days. The days gone by were certainly days where I think a lot more, a lot more players did cut corners. A lot more players probably um, were out on the drink, even if they'd had a corky. Those sorts of things. There was not a not as great an awareness. But um, anyway, I, I digress a little bit. We'll keep on track. <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I love to hear the stories. That's no, it's fantastic. Now, obviously, we're we're a podcast about injuries. Oh. 
can you can you tell us what what you reckon your most severe injury was over your over your time in the AFL? Yeah, my most severe injury, no doubt, happened in my very last game, uh, and that was the the preliminary final against Geelong, actually, in 2004. Uh, ended up missing the grand final, unfortunately, in 2004. But I mm. I had uh, a shocking in- injury where I ran uh, to get to the drop of the ball, and I was behind my opponent, Josh Hunt, from Geelong. Yeah. And uh, oncoming traffic was Daniel Bradshaw's hip, uh, and uh, I was behind Josh. So Josh just got out the way in time, and I was the one to cop the full blunt a full brunt of Daniel Bradshaw's hip in, into my uh, face. And it turned out to be literally like a car accident. Uh, my uh, upper jawbone was completely sheared. Um, and the doctor even said to me, joking, he said, lucky you wore a helmet because it probably kept your face together, to be honest, uh, for a time. Yeah, so that was uh, the most significant injury. I had plates implemented in my face uh, overnight after that. And, um, yeah, and had a week literally where I'd lost... Uh, taste and um and sense of hot and cold and all sorts of stuff and that that restored itself fortunately but yeah it was a bit of a bit of a uh, tough time uh, incredibly though uh, i don't remember experiencing a great deal of pain to be honest uh, the surgeons and the, and the recovery was quite miraculous to be honest so so we're very fortunate there but yeah that was the most significant injury described to me as a car crash type injury to my face um and uh, that ended that literally ended my career even though i was probably finishing anyway Ah, okay. Ah, okay. Yeah. Did obviously pretty pretty severe stuff there. I'm sure your family would have been on the phones and everything like that because I remember that that preliminary final actually being in Melbourne because yes. they had, they had to have yes. one at the correct at, at the MCG. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. I was like, might give us a chance that year, but no, it's yes. too good again. But was uh, was Daniel the was Daniel Bradshaw the uh, first guy on the phone to you when he? When he heard of the, well, he definitely came to the hospital to say good day, and uh, yeah, he was very, very um, upset and remorseful of it. But it was certainly um, none of his fault. Uh, it's like uh, yeah. the definition of stupidity is when forwards get behind backs going to the drop of the ball. It just doesn't make any sense. We're supposed to be in front and get the first look at it. So uh, that was my uh, my bad. But uh, yeah, it certainly was a uh, my significant injury. I also have had a, um, a fractured. Uh, forearm, which I've now still got a rod in as well uh, to deal with um, after getting yeah. kicked in the arm by a uh, St Kilda player at Waverley when we played way back at Waverley in uh, days gone by. So a couple <laughs> other significant injuries, but the face was the main one, and uh, yeah, it certainly um, certainly would have certainly would have uh, destroyed my confidence. I think going into uh, any further seasons I was to play uh, because it was so significant, such an imposing injury. I was gonna, I was gonna touch on that a little bit, as it was pretty, pretty severe. And I don't know if you knew it was gonna be your last season or not before then. But um, how did you deal with that mentally? Like, um, you, you had the, the not the burden, but like retirement in your head, and then you had, you're in hospital and not probably not being able to play in the grand final, like straight in your head. What goes through your mind when, when you think about all that stuff? Just that's a lot to deal with in, in the span of two seconds. Like, like. So it just happens so quick. In, yes. In yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, right at that moment in, in regard to that injury, I probably was forced into a situation where I came to a greater reality that it could be uh, the last time I play over footy and, uh, you know, the, the preparation for post-football careers generally are a lot better these days. But in those days, and even still sometimes these days, players don't really spend enough time uh, a lot of the time, devoting themselves. Some are uh, unbelievably excellent at what they do, but most players will still just do what they need to and that, and then all of a sudden the end comes. 
um, and um, and hopefully they're prepared. And I certainly was on the right on the edge right there of understanding. Hang on, dude, this this might be the end. Sort of thing. Thinking again prior to that game that I'd be playing in a grand final a week after, and who knows beyond there. But it quickly became apparent it was the end of uh, my career. But I think probably in the initial stage, Jake, and in in that incident, it was more about just your personal health right there and your long long term health. That was far more of my more reflection mentally, uh, but the, the certainly the end of my career was was something that played on my mind and all of a sudden became something that uh, even though I'd prepared myself for it, knowing 12 months out that I thought it would be my last year, I, it, it became a, a stark reality and a, a very quick reality and a probably an uncomfortable reality really quickly mentally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you touched on the, the helmet before and like saved you. Obviously, the, the doctor said it saved you from a, a few different things. I want to go back. When did you start first wearing the helmet? And what was the, was it just the, the comfortability of it? Or was it something that you'd always done and you just wanted to keep through? I know Caleb Daniel and Angus Brayshaw currently wear them. Is it is it purely comfort now? Or is it, or what was it for you? Yeah, good, good question. I think interesting because you talk about your worst injuries, Nick. You, you actually forget or don't reflect on all of the head knocks you get over time and stuff. That was obviously a significant head knock, which, you know, it had been a little bit different in terms of where it hit. My temple, for instance, who knows what it might have caused, to be honest, in terms of brain damage and that. But, uh, yeah. but the reality for me uh, in terms of the question you ask is that I was a player as a junior that wore my helmet all the time. I chose to wear a helmet from the start of my career. I got into the AFL and I got the advice getting drafted to, to Brisbane, I got advice to say, you, if you wear a helmet, you'll become a target for players. So it's not wise to wear a helmet, uh, which is never great wisdom anyway in hindsight. But I didn't wear it for a time. And then I took a test for my eyesight in uh, 1997. And the, uh, the optometrist there uh, found in my eyesight that uh, part of it called visual acuity, uh, which was normally a five out of five, it dropped to a three out of five, the, ongoing uh, reality of that was that the first thing to go would be my night vision, uh, my ability to drive at night um, based on that visual acuity piece of my vision. So, yeah. uh, and his, his best assessment was that it was uh, caused by tiny little head knocks over time, which made a lot of sense as an AFL player, small AFL player, small um, roving type AFL player. So I decided then to put my helmet back on to stop the little, yeah. little bumps in the head. You can't stop concussion with helmets. There's no doubt about that, but the, uh, the reality is that you can stop a lot of little head knocks. And so that allowed me to not have any more fall away from in the visual acuity area and not, not lose the ability to drive and also obviously play football at night as well. So that was that was the, the precursor to my putting a helmet back on and became a really, a really important part of getting to, you know, getting beyond 1997 to obviously being part of premierships instead of missing out on playing football due to, due to eyesight. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't know the the whole background there. That's that's a, like that's amazing. Like, uh, what what an impact something a helmet can do for, for someone. And obviously, it's um, given you the chance to play over two hundred and seventy games and 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 done that. Who knows what would have happened if like you may not have put the helmet on at, at that yep. point in time. So, no, it's amazing. Yeah. What- even <laughs> even other players, other players have actually finished their career. And as a young fella up in Brisbane. I'm just trying to remember his name, uh, but he uh, he had to finish up because of bad head knocks to his head. He was only a very young 20s type of player, full fullback. I'm just trying to think of his name, but cracking young fella. But he's um, you know a very intelligent young guy. But he's just had bad head pain and all sorts of you know concussion type of things, uh, which is obviously becoming a big issue in the game. But uh, yeah, so very fortunate, like you said, that uh, 
that it was recognised and that it didn't decrease anymore. Yeah, no, no, definitely, hundred percent. It's yeah, it's it's amazing how many because obviously, as you said, the the head knocks are, are becoming a, a a pretty big problem in the game. I don't know. Obviously, I didn't watch too much f- football back in back in the nineties, but um, yeah, I, I know ne- and I know now that it's it's as I mean, we're trying to protect protect the head at the moment, and there's a whole lot of different things going on with that. So we're trying to work out the, the right the right things, and I'm sure players are um, doing doing their best to try and avoid those situations. But I mean, now you sort of you're sort of, sort of seen as soft if you don't um, go 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 in at the ball like that. And I'm sure it was like that in the in the 90s. Like you just had to go in hard and just put your body on the line, no matter sort of what the the repercu- repercussions were going to be. Absolutely, and the game's still, you know, very dangerous. It's played at speed, coming from all directions. So that 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 uh, pressure of yeah, put your head over the ball, as that term suggests, uh, certainly presents a great danger to anyone who realises the courage that you need to play the game that is played at all angles, at all speeds, um, you know, at all sizes. So certainly, uh, some of the brave things that happen on AFL field uh, still to this day, uh, we've got to admire it, but we've also got to understand how. How deadly that is, and why the the head is so protected these days. Um, Sean Smith is another one who's had significant fallout from from head injuries as well. So, you know, mentally, I you wonder about the the ongoing battle in that space of what what life looks like for some of our athletes who have yeah. experienced those sort of things, and even particularly getting back out onto the field when you've had a head knock. Um, I think, like the Les Frank injury, just getting confidence in your foot again. It's like getting confidence in your head again, and confidence that you're not going to get another head knock that will cause you uh, to, you know, to again, have dizzy spells, have migraines, have whatever it is, the on, on flow of, of a hit. So, yeah, that, that it's a great question to ask because it's a really significant piece of what I've experienced myself and what athletes have to deal with uh, at times in their career. Yeah, nah, exactly right. It's um, Yeah, because you, you, you see guys that are at, now might be a bit hesitant in different things and going into contests and and whatnot and you see a lot of young guys especially do that if you were to give sort of one bit of advice to those sort of young athletes even coming in before before the afl through the ranks and if they were to sustain like a severe injury or um before what, what would you sort of tell them what what, what advice would you give to, to some young athletes that are going to make their way into the afl in the coming years yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's a challenging one because I think my best advice would be to make sure that you see yourself and your sporting dream and career as a part of what might be your possible life going forward because if it becomes everything, uh, then injuries and disappointments and all sorts of stuff can really derail people, I think, uh, because if – and, again, it's coming back to this what we call – at ID Sports and with 3D Coaching, performance-based identity. If you're building your whole identity on, as I was at one stage, on becoming a, a rich and famous AFL, <laughs> AFL footballer. Yeah. That was the dream. As a nine-year-old watching the Richmond Tigers, who I back for win a, win a flag, I, I thought to myself, uh, when, when the pressure came in AFL footy and it looked like it was fading away after two years, I said, well, you know, there's got to be more. There's got to be a greater meaning to who I am and, and the purpose of my life. And, uh, and so... Build, build your whole life and your identity on far more than who you are as an athlete and what you are as an athlete because performance will never, never cut it and will never be sustained through your life anyway. I mean, you, you can still be a high performer in whatever you do, but understand there's so much more than your performance at the end of the day. And if, 
you know, if your emotion and your, your spiritual well-being rises on whether or not you perform on the weekend or don't, um, it's going to be one heck of a roller coaster. But if you can understand the bigger picture of who you are, the roller coaster will be far more comfortable. Oh, that, that's what I'm, I wish I would have heard some of that advice as well. Like I'm not a professional athlete or anything like that, but yeah, no, that's some, that's some wonderful insight. And I hope, I hope some of the people listening do, t- do take a bit from that. Cause that's um, yeah, you're hundred percent right with that. It's, it's about looking after yourself and, and getting the, and getting through it and sort of, you don't want to say it, but footy's almost a, a secondary, a secondary for it. it's looking after yourself and, um, taking care of yourself for your family and not, not giving them yes. any any things like that. So yeah, no, that's hundred percent. Yeah, if if you can find who you are and your value, your personal mm. value, in far more than just being a performer, then you'll have a, a really good foundation to live the whole of your life and be be successful in all of your life, not just your sport. So yeah, it's really it's advice you learn along the way, Jake. <laughs> and uh, as a young guy, I would not have uh, known it probably or even heard it possibly, but it's something I've come to the understanding of through sport and through the wisdom of coaches and, and mentors along my life. And and I love to make sure that people, because, you know, there's a big battle going on around us and, you know, I'm not sure you've been uh, impacted by yourself personally, but I've had a mental health challenge myself in you know, back in the, the 90s. Uh, for a six-week period in a football career and uh, it could have derailed me as well but again it's the wisdom you learn that there's so much more to life than just success on a footy field and if we can keep that front front of our thinking when things don't go well particularly then we can avoid the the mental health battles that so many are facing these days because they're caught up in not not achieving or not being well, being a failure, um, you know, and uh, we're never a failure. We're only really, we're only really fail if we don't try and try to do our best. And uh, you know, and even then, we're still not a failure, to be honest. But uh, we uh, just got to find value in the right things, and uh, we need people encouraging us that we're uh, we've got an immense value beyond just you know just what we do on a sporting field or in our business or you know in our work, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right, and I think that's I couldn't <laughs> can't couldn't say couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> Don't ever intrude on on that. Um, taking a bit of a, a bit of a, a side step to um, maybe not yourself um, with particular injuries, but uh, obviously had a pretty extensive career. Did what was probably one uh, probably a question I didn't include in the uh, the, the pre pre notes, but was there an injury that you saw um, on the field that was just out of this world, like someone else that, that had a pretty severe injury. What was the most, yeah, what was what was the biggest injury you saw during your career? Yeah, probably the one that jumped straight to mind is Michael Voss as a young player over in Perth. Um, had a, um, yeah, just fell awkwardly off a spoiling attempt, I think, from memory, and just fractured his leg. His leg just snapped and you, I could hear the snap and then you could see the leg going in different directions and, uh, and immediately you, you just know that that is, that is not good and that uh, you just can't imagine the excruciating pain of a you know, leg that literally fractured, broken, broken in two. So uh, not just fractured a tiny bit, but completely fractured. So uh, that was, yeah, that was very ugly. And um, anyone who watches that vision, um, I, I challenge them to watch it twice because it's, it's just almost unbearable to watch. It's really bad. Yeah, you can just see that the difference of direction of the leg. So I was right there. I just, as I said, is that close? Um, I heard the snap, and oh, um, yeah, yeah like, it was horrible. So that was the one that comes to mind, Jake. I reckon. Oh, that's yeah. and being in the vicinity would have been. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. what, what what's your fir- like? What's your first thought there? Like, uh, I mean, you've got to play one of you, one of your probably one of your great mates, just on the ground, 
next year and you know he's not going to be playing for the for the next sort of little bit what what, yep. what what's your first instinct do you, do you go over to him do you sort of give him space what what do you think about on the footy field i know there's a lot a lot of other things going yeah. on there what what do you what do you do oh, i think from i think from memory you just you're just trying to do everything to stop the game and just sort of focus on this poor bloke who's just needing you know, the game becomes less important and almost insignificant in terms of just what's happened to someone's um, someone's journey and you know, a great player of the game, not that it has to be a great player, you know, in terms of Aussie's capabilities to to be um, someone who you have real empathy for. But but at that time, it was him and, and understanding just the yeah the reality of what that meant to him right there and what that meant for our, our team and for footy, you know, just to see someone uh, such a great person go down with that and have to start a journey again um, mentally towards rebuilding his career and his whole career from there really was about managing his training almost because of the significance. So probably the immediate thought was, what does this mean for his opportunity to play footy going forward? It was such a bad injury. I mean, yeah, no, that, that's it. And I mean, it's it's wonderful that he, he was able to sort of carve out the career, career that he did and went on to yeah. be a, a premiership captain and part of a, one of the one of the greatest teams ever, which I'm sure... Um, I'm sure you hear. I'm sure you hear all the time with all the comparisons uh, these days with the, the likes of the Hawthorns and the Geelongs and even the Richmonds as well. Like they some some quality teams there. Um, yeah. With move, move, moving sort of further on um, after your career, did you have any uh, impact on, on yourself or your family when when with your injuries after your career? I know the the last game you played in, as you said. Uh, you copped that pretty heavy knock, but has anything sort of um, sort of stayed with you throughout your career? I know you said you had the the rod in the arm um, there for a li- or still have the rod in the arm there at the moment. Um, has anything sort of still affect affect you to this day? Oh, I wouldn't have said so. Really, I think even the face has been fantastic. Uh, my foot um, from the Les Frank injury, I had a, a screw taken out of that post you know, when long post op, but that's that's been generally pretty good. Uh, my uh, rod in the arm, I don't really understand. No, that that's really there, but it's, it is still there. And um, fractured nose, that sort of thing. I think probably the only thing I could say is the reality of uh, knocks to the head and the reality of conversations around helmets has been really interesting post-career. Mm. Uh, and impact-wise, I think that's where most has been in terms of advising people on you know, for their kids on helmets or uh, just giving people advice that they you know, clearly don't stop concussions from significant head knocks but but they are a really smart thing to do and I think even has been in your teams adopt helmets universally at at times over the course post my career not because of me necessarily but just because they understand that that there's a significant uh, possibility that young people are going to get those little head knocks even at junior level they're going to get those little head knocks and if you can protect them from those then hopefully you can protect them from uh, that bit of a brain shake constantly that might turn into something nasty. No, that that's it. I know there's a couple of like junior clubs around here that even sort of mandate helmets at the at the younger levels, and they every kid on the field has to wear one, no matter if they're the tallest kid, the shortest kid, biggest kid. It doesn't matter. They're all they're all wearing them nowadays, and I think it's yeah, it's it's a testament that what they do and and how they can and help and help you and help later in life as well. So I think yeah. it's yeah, there's a lot of a. Uh, a lot of word on that at the moment, so it, it's good to see that everyone's sort of taking it uh, maybe a bit more seriously than they may have back in back in the days. So um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction 
with, with footy, footy in general for sure. Now, absolutely. Now, I sort of I wanted to uh, obviously it's a bit of an injury sort of a podcast, but I did did want to ask one footy question just 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 because you're on, and I, I'm very very glad that you've been able to, to join us today. Um, might be a bit tough, but best moment that, that you had in the AFL. I know you've you won three premierships and, and Norm Smith and, and everything like that. What, what's if you can narrow it down to one moment? What 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 was one of your favourite moments um, playing it, playing the game of AFL? Yeah, I, I think most most people would ask me which uh, premiership was the best, and <laughs> and it's hard it's hard to distinguish. But I, I think the reality of achieving that first one, yeah, was such a it, it's incredible the emotion actually that you don't realise what is what it will be like until you actually experience it, of course, and. And the enormous relief I, I say to people was the most incredible um, emotion, really, that that started started the whole sequence. The siren goes, and there's this reality that you've actually won, and that that actually no longer can anyone stop you from being the premiership team. It's it's quite a phenomenal. But the journey, because I've done 12 years, and as I calculate and say to people, probably 3,000 sessions plus of blood, sweat, and tears, whether it be gym sessions, training sessions, games pre-season session, all sorts of stuff, you know, over that that 12-year journey, 205 games I think I'd reached when I was a premiership player for the first time. And uh, oh, wow. and so uh, the relief the relief of actually getting there uh, was incredible. And then the exhilaration that Lee Matthews always promised us if we were to win the premiership, uh, that then kicked in and, uh, you know, that, that lasted for a long, long, long time, let's say. That's, uh, but, yeah, just uh, incredible emotions. Um, yeah, like I said, relief and then just exhilaration and, I think that that would be the time I I would say would be would have been my most favourite because it was so new. The the second and third were just as good, but but we had experienced them already. So sometimes it just doesn't quite have the same impact as that very first one. And uh, apart from that, there's many many other great moments along the way. Uh, but I you just can't you just can't go past achieving something significant with a group of guys. You know, after such a long period personally, and uh, and. And as I say to people, the actual joy of surviving the pressure of grand finals is probably the, one of the most exhilarating pieces because a lot, a lot known half the players out there don't, half of them do. Yeah. And some some perform enormously on the other team that don't win and some hardly perform at all on the team that do win and yet they're, they're regarded as heroes, you know, premiership heroes. So, <laughs> so the exhilaration of surviving the pressure after all those years of trying uh, was, was phenomenal. Yeah, no, it's great. And as you said, no matter what, you're going into battle with a, a group of guys and it, it's it's something that will tie you guys together for forever And because mm. you've got reunions and, and all sorts of things that, that you'll be able to always to come back to, to those group of guys and, and chat about the day and, and everything like that. It, it really binds. Except in, except in COVID years. Well, <laughs> that's very true. That's very, very true. Oh, I mean, I mean, I'm... That's, uh, I mean, that's a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a problem at the moment. But well, the old, the old Zoom reunions—they just don't work, Jake. <laughs> no, no, you have to, you have to provide your own drinks and, uh, and snacks and stuff. It's, it's... <laughs> correct. <laughs> it's no good. It's yeah. much better when you can just go to the bar and grab one for your mates. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That the club's paying for. Correct. That's it. Correct. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Now you touched on. I'm sort of getting into a little bit of the AFL, but I just wanted to touch on Lee Matthews there. Um, what, is, what does he say before that 
I mean, if you can remember, what was the what was the one thing that you took out of that? You you're playing in your first grand final in two thousand and one. Um, what was the one thing that sort of stuck in in your mind for them for the pregame? If you can if you can remember, what's what, what's sort of advice does he give you there going into your first massive game? Yeah, I I think to wrap it up in a quick nutshell, it's really just to talk about the the pressure game that we would play against yeah. Essendon. You know, it's two thousand one, our first one. Uh, because that's what we build our, our greatness upon, to be honest, our, our intensity at the contest and at the opposition um, and our pressure on, on the ball at all times. And, and that, you know, again, that's not necessarily the words that he would use, but I know in uh, reading his book, in reading Lee Matthews' book, that he talked about Collingwood's premiership in 1991 and he asked a police officer friend about how they, when they set an assignment up, how do they do it as policemen? You know, and they, and they said, well, they, they just put the word operation and then call it something. And so for the 1991 premiership with Collingwood, they called their, their preparation Operation Tackle. And so their idea was that we're just going to tackle the heck out of Essendon on, in the 1991 grand final and, and yeah. put them to the sword that way. And so that's what happened. And they, you know, they had an enormous amount of tackles that day, 70, 80 tackles that day. And that grand final won by 50-odd points or so. So... So we mm. brought that same philosophy in a way, and, and that's what we became, an incredible team. Like Melbourne were, to be honest, uh, just recently, they were an incredibly imposing defensive team, and they weren't able to do that two years ago. I'm convinced they were not able to play that sort of footy, that brand of footy, and they've decided, yeah. made decisions that there's a style of footy we need to play to be the best we can be. And they've, they've to a man, developed that and become that, and that's, that's what we were. That's what Richmond have been for so long now and such a dominant team. But we were definitely that team, and that was the message, I think, that um, you just have to you just have to bring that same heat, and we had done that for 15 weeks in a row. We knew if we got it done, that we that we'd see a victory again. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I won't touch on this too much, but the, the 2001 norm. Did you have any idea of if you were going to win it? I know it's not about individual no accolades. Was it? No idea. Seriously, <laughs> it, it, it's just a blur. It's just a blur. It's such a quick game, and I I say to people, I honestly couldn't have told you more than about three things I might have done in the game if you'd asked me straight after the game. Yeah. It's just such a blur. Um, I, I know I had a couple of early kicks inside 50. That's about all. But I, you're, just, you're just so engrossed in the game. You just don't really know what you're doing. Um, and, then, and then to think, you know, the type of role I played, the type of player I was, I was never going to do that. I was on the second last line of betting for the Normson medal, to be honest. And uh, I, only know, <laughs> I only know that because some, some bloke was pretty excited when I ran around, did the... Uh, Lap of honour with the team, and he's yelling out that thanks, mate. You've just won me twenty four hundred dollars because I bet on you at sixty forty bucks at sixty to one. So um, it was, you know, so so me winning the Norm Smith was never going to happen in the bookies' eyes, um, and probably you know in my eyes to be honest. But it was just a day where I remember I think they had early twenties possessions, and in, you know, these days like truckers had thirty nine forty, Sean yeah. Black had thirty nine in two thousand and three. It was yeah. just a you know, minimal amount of stats, but everyone else on the ground just literally didn't have any more than that. So my game obviously stood out to the voters and, um, yeah, it was very fortunate. So, yeah, really surprised, almost shocked. Um, <laughs> you know, when someone said, oh, in a minute you'll be announced as an officer Bellis, it's like, hang on, someone, someone's, someone's uh, making, uh, playing a bit of a, Playing a bit of a trick on me here. Probably Mel Michael or one of my teammates who was a practical joke. I reckon someone's having a crack in the ear, so... Uh, but yeah, it turned out to be real. Oh, there you go. And I didn't yeah, realize that they, real. yeah, I didn't realize they, they obviously don't find out 
when it's called out, they someone comes up to you, do they? And they just sort of whisper it in yep. your ear so you're ready to go or, or something like that? Is that Well, that was, of... that was the case for me. So I think they would still probably do that. Um, yeah. That was the case for me on the day. Yeah, mate, maybe they don't. Maybe they just announce it. But I definitely had someone come and let me know, yeah. Oh wow! There you go. I mean, I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. It's a, it's a, I know it's not too too involved with injuries, but no, it's it's a it's great stories there about some of the That's well, right. great teams and, and and things like that. Now on 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 the under pressure podcast, we sort of like to finish off with a bit of a what I call the draft, and we. Yep pick a topic and we sort of go through and um, draft some players. So today's topic is going to be guys who you would start a team with and now. So if you were to be the, uh, the, night, the new team coming in, say, let's say Tasmania. <laughs> um, coming Tasmania. In. <laughs> yeah. um, who, who would you pick uh, in, in your, who would you, the first five players, who would you pick in your team? So would you like to kick things off or would you like <laughs> me to? You pick no Queensland players, that's for sure. Who, who'd want to go from Queensland to Tessie? Oh, no, uh, the, the weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who would I pick? Who would I pick? Uh, I'm going to go uh, Clayton Oliver. Clayton Oliver. I, I like it. Yeah. I like it, yeah. The, he, he's sort of – he's improved out of sight this year. Like, um, even yeah. – he was amazing last year as well, but to go yes. to go to the next level this year, I mean, he almost won the Brownlow yeah. as well too. Golden Valley boy and tough oh, as nail. Yeah. <laughs> Can play in any can play in any conditions, I reckon. Any conditions. <laughs> All right, Clayton Oliver with the first one. I like it. Uh, look, I I really like. I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Bond. I really liked what Ooh. he did. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a left field one, considering who I go for. But um, yeah, I I just really love the progression that he's made through the last couple of years, and he's really turned into someone who's like you want on your side every every time, and he's such a such a great leader as well. I mean, you don't, you don't think he's going to be polling votes and he somehow, he, he almost won the Brownlow this year and I thought he was pretty unlucky not to in the end. But um, yeah, I think I'll go go with him with my first one. Um, my next one, look, I'll, I'll go with a, I'm going to go with a bit of a small forward and I'm going to go, I'm going to go Toby Green. And a, a bit of a left, bit of a left field one, but I just love the way he goes about it. I mean, he's such a he's such a dynamic forward. He can even go into even go into the mids and sort of win you the ball as well. And I mean, he's he's a great set shot. And uh, I think yeah, he, if you're starting a club, I reckon he's someone that you. I mean, obviously the Giants did that, so um, yeah, he's someone I'd definitely like to have in that lineup for sure. Who have you got? Who have you got yeah. next? So what are we picking? Are we only picking five, and are we picking any any position? Clearly, are we? Yeah, you can. You, yeah, how. The five guys that you would want to start your, your team with. So it could be absolutely anyone, anyone. So these are the best of the best. Yes. Uh, who will I go? I'm going to go, um, I'm going to pick Travis Boak from Port Adelaide. Oh, I like um, that. Uh, one of the best athletes in terms of open footy I've ever, ever worked with and ever, ever known. Yeah, incredible athletes. So I'm going to go with Travis Boak and add him to my mix. Oh, I like it. Probably not. Probably not someone people would have thought about. That's that's and obviously you had pretty have pretty good insight there. You know, I mean, you worked with the power for a little bit um, not yes. long ago. So no, that's that's some great insight. Who? You, I mean, you got you got the next one. We have got the snake. So what's it? next one as well? Whoa. Yeah, I know it's it's a tough one with only two of us. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, to be honest, uh, 
again, it depends on what sort of team I'm picking here, but I, I, I couldn't go past uh, Max Gorn before he gets missed in the, you know, picked by someone else in the draft because <laughs> I need some bigs and some smalls. And uh, if I've got Boke and I've got Oliver, I've got to have Gorn beating them, surely. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good one. I like that. That's uh, I can't go past the premiership captain. He's taken his game to the next level as well. He's uh, quite phenomenal. Um, oh, I might need... Oh, I'm going to go with a... If I, I'll pick a defender. I'm going to pick a defender and I'm going to go someone who's... Um, he's probably fairly new to... To, to the AFL, probably new to defence a little bit as well. He probably wasn't known as a bit of a defender uh, uh, coming coming in. But I'm going to go with uh, uh, Jacob Wiedering. He's a little bit Ooh. of a strange pick, um, but I really I really like him as a defender. Obviously, they've had a lot of ball come in there uh, recently, but I mean, I think they're going to be a quality outfit in the next couple of years, and, and he's going to be. I mean, he was almost all Australian defender this year too. So um, mm. I think I think he's. Had to pick, had to get a defender in there as well. Um, forward, uh, look, I mean, if you if you count players that are, st- are still playing, I, I would uh, I would get Buddy in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'll get Buddy in there for sure. I mean, even though he's at the back end, I still he'd be a great great player to sort of <laughs> kickstart a kickstart a team. And I know that he'd be able to to draw some fans there. And obviously, he's probably going to get to that. Thousand goal mark as well next year, I think. So uh, I had to get had to get Buddy in there for sure. That's fair enough too. Fair enough. Um, have we got any salary cap on our team? Oh no, no, no. This is yeah. You got no, that's, that's as good. much as as much as you like. If only that worked in, <laughs> the, in the real AFL. <laughs> that's right. Correct. Correct. For the fantasy team, I'm yeah. going to go Josh Kelly then for my next one. Oh, that's to, a, uh, yeah. I'm going to sit in. He can play play anywhere he chooses. I don't need to coach him. He just. He's, he's an unbelievable athlete as well. Uh, no one works as, as hard as he does, I don't reckon. But uh, he, um, yeah, he'd be definitely uh, making up my uh, my compliment. Have I got another pick, have I? Yeah, yeah. This who we yeah. got? Yeah, I think. Pick five, am I? Yeah, this is yeah. This will, be, this will be the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last uh, one for you. My, my last pick. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to add. Four. What have I got? Just trying to think. Just trying to a pinch a Brisbane Lions player who might play down in Teddy. Who would that be? <laughs> who right, can you see? Hugh, Hugh McCluggage. Hugh oh. That's who I'm going to put in there. I was going to go Tuke Miller, but I'll go Hugh McCluggage actually. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, no, he's he's been phenomenal the last the last couple Ooh, of years. Yeah. He's he's, he's, yeah, looking he'll the, he's on the he'll incline. He'll survive the Tasmanian snow. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he will. No doubt. Um. Oh. My last pick, starting the team, or oh, I'll probably go. I oh, see. I don't want to. I don't want to go too big a name, but I think I might. I'm going to go with a, a big player. I'm not, not, not even going to pick a Geelong player. Um, probably one of probably one of my favourite players outside of Geelong is uh, Nat Fife. Oh, um, nice. Um, probably yeah. Just at, at his peak, he is in my eyes probably the best in the competition. If he's, you see, if he's fit and firing he's uh, a difficult player to stop in the midfield yeah. down forward um inside and out um yeah big big fan bit of a man crush i think so <laughs> had to oh, get really? him in. <laughs> had, to, had to get him in there now he's, he's a quality human being <laughs> so I'm not, enjoy- I'm not sure who I'm, I'm not sure who i'm going to play on him but i'm confident we'll win because <laughs> he doesn't defend no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> 
I mean, I have to get him to listen to it now. <laughs> if I can. No, that's it. No, that's I it. Oh. I always love poking Fremantle, mate. Got to poke Fremantle. Poke the bear. Oh, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. I love it. I love it. Um, well, that, that's that's it for another another episode on, on the uh, Under Pressure podcast. Um, once again, like to thank thank you, Sean, for com- coming on the, the podcast with me. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. And I, pr- I appreciate you jumping on and, and sharing all your thoughts and, and insights and all the things that you've done over your career and all the injury-related uh, things. So, yeah, really appreciate it, mate. Pleasure. Great to be with you, Jake. All the best. Thank you very much. Now, obviously, we remember to like and share all our socials, Facebook at the Under Pressure Podcast and Instagram, Twitter at Under Pressure One underscore. And be sure to subscribe uh, to the Under Pressure Podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, TuneIn app, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and the Podbean app. It all really helps out. That's it here from the Under Pressure Podcast, and we'll see you on the next. <laughs>